This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, once upon a time, a Canadian comedian named Mike Wilmot went to Los Angeles. 20 years ago, I went to Hollywood. And really, I was there for just uh, like a month or so. And stand-up was dire there. There was just, it was all just, everyone was just trying to kill each other over a sitcom. We'll hear more from Mike in just a bit, including his return to... We'll hear more from Mike in just a bit, including more about his return to North America and lots and lots about Canadian culture, of course, because, you know, that's right up my street. Okay, so we uh, have a couple of things coming up. Fake News has the week off again. We're doing the summer schedule still, but we're going to have a few words from Lizzie in just a bit about an exciting new project she is working on. You know Lizzie from its Facebook, not Factbook. She does a little sound clip for that. And I'm going to review the Thunderbird roller coaster from Holiday World and Splash and Safari there in Santa Claus, Indiana. But first, we're going to get to a special announcement from Lizzie. Normally, Fangirl joins me uh, sometimes for things, but uh, producer Lizzie is with us today. And you know Lizzie from It's Facebook, It's Not Factbook, which she hates. But she sounds. I really do, and I hate my producer Lizzie name. Okay, well, it's just a little uh, gag. Anyway, Lizzie has a new project she's working on, and Lizzie, why don't you tell us about it? Okay, so I've started a YouTube channel, and I'm kind of excited about it. And so, if you want to see like reviews of the latest movies, like I did Inside Out uh, a couple of days ago, and then I also have some comedy, which is featuring. PF from PF Save Recorder, Thank where you. I will. Um, <laughs> I uh, we, we've been begging, we've been begging Lizzie to post some of her videos to YouTube for a long time now because they're very hilarious, and now she's finally gotten things sorted and uh, put up a channel, kind of inspired by uh, my friend Pat Francis's daughter uh, Sarah and her channel. Probably Sarah, nearly Lizzie. I think the name was kind of inspired. Maybe by that. Um, sort of. So I went to a YouTube generator like okay. name, and I thought it was really cool. Oh, okay. And also, probably Sarah's awesome, so you should go subscribe to her there too. There you go. And uh, when Pat was promoting it on his podcast, I followed uh, Sarah on Twitter, but um, I did not subscribe to the channel because that would be weird. But if you Creepy. have if you have young people in your family, subscribe to Nearly Lizzie and to probably Sarah, and you'll probably enjoy that. Uh, and anything else you want to add, Liz? Okay, so my latest video will be about the craze of selfie sticks. So if you're against it or you like them, go to my YouTube channel and they'll probably be up in the next day or two. Okay, well, by the time this drops, you'll probably have a lot more videos too because this is going to drop about two weeks from when we're recording this. Yeah, so you'll probably see that one and a couple more. So I hope you will watch them because I only have six subscribers, but shout out to them all. Okay. All right, well, thanks, Lizzie. And uh, on to our video. You're welcome. Thanks again to Lizzie for sharing that special announcement with us. Again, if you know a kid between the ages of 9 and 13, have him check out Nearly Lizzie. I think it is funny stuff. Uh, we've been telling her for a while she should post some of her videos. And, you know, not, you know, it, it's not like 
when your kid makes a video, and, and you know, I'm her dad and everything, but you know, it was just, they were just okay. I'd be like, oh yeah, those are good, and this is her, here's what I like about it. But they're really good. They're really funny. So hopefully she'll post some of her old stuff as well. And uh, I love the production values on some of the reviews. You'll see what I mean when you check it out. All right, so uh, real quick here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went to Holiday World and Splash and Safari in southern Indiana. It's actually in Santa Claus, Indiana. It's uh, one of our favorite amusement parks. And they were kind enough, the uh, media relations person there, Paula, was kind enough to let Fangirl shadow her uh, for a part of the day because Fangirl isn't shouldn't be in media relations. So uh, she did that, and uh, Paula was kind enough to extend an invitation for uh, Lizzie and I to come along as well, but asked if I would review the new roller coaster. And we're like, sure, we love roller coasters. That'd be great. And I tried to uh, post this on the blog for uh, Cincinnati City Beat, one of the papers I write for, but uh, they did not seem to have time for it. But then I figured, well, heck, I could just read it. It's only 300 words. Don't worry. I won't, I won't worry you. Uh, it's, but I'll read it on the podcast, and there's like almost 5,000 of you guys that are listening. Maybe you're skipping past this to get to the interview. I'm not sure. But uh, there's 5,000 of you, so that's a pretty good audience. And if you're ever in southern Indiana, do check out Holiday World and Splash and Safari. It is a great, great amusement park. And what else did I want to add to that real quick? Oh, yeah, I'm just going to, this is kind of be like a little book on tape portion, but, uh, just real quick, I'll just read this, uh, from, I called it Launch Break. That was my clever title for it. And, uh, nearly every new roller coaster has some feature or record that distinguishes it from other thrill rides. Now, the newest addition to the Santa Claus Indiana skyline is no different. Holiday World and Splash and Safari's Thunderbird, new for the 2015 season, is America's first launched wing coaster. Yes, instead of climbing a lift hill before plunging through a variety of loops and rolls and turns, Thunderbird creeps out of the station before rocketing forward into a half loop and drop, reaching 60 miles an hour in 3.5 seconds. Now, Thunderbird is related to King's Island's thrilling Banshee roller coaster, if you're familiar with that, which is also similar to several other Bolliger and Malbiard coasters. Uh, Banshee opened in 2014, though there are a few distinct differences. Both were designed by, again, uh, Bollinger and Malbiard, who designed coasters all over the country. If you're a coaster aficionado, you know who I'm talking about. You know what kind of coasters those guys build. And uh, the track used was made right here in Cincinnati at the Claremont Steel Fabricators just east of here in Batavia. So Banshee is slightly taller, a bit longer, and a tad faster than its Indiana sibling. However, the seats on Thunderbird are winged, meaning passengers have a better view, even if they aren't sitting up front. Because, you know, sometimes you get a little woozy if you're sitting in the back with some of the coasters, especially if they're going through all those loops and turns. But this provides for a much smoother ride, despite the numerous tightly packed inversions. And, of course, there's that wild launch. Uh, the coaster's layout takes it across the Voyager roller coaster, a distant cousin to the very great beast roller coaster at Kings Island, and then through the Indiana woodlands. Wait times are surprisingly low as the ride can efficiently handle 1140 riders per hour according to the roller coaster database. So there you go. Uh, a quick no-nonsense launch for tightly packed inversions, and it's on your way to the rest of the park for a fun day there in southern Indiana. So do check it out. Hi, I'm Andy Kindler, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Are you enjoying it? I certainly hope so. Mike Wilmot's a stand-up comedian from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. After several successful years in the UK, North American audiences are getting reintroduced to this Canadian funny man. Here now is our interview with Mike Wilmot. Joining us on PF State Recorder, it's Mike Wilmot. Mike, how you doing? Great. Did you say tape recorder? See, I haven't heard that in ages. Yeah, well, it comes a from... Tape uh, recorder. It's not actually a tape recorder, of course. It's a metaphorical tape recorder in that it's yeah, tw- yeah. it's 12-year-old me 
uh, sitting in my parents' den, uh, pretending to do a radio show. And that's where the oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, of course I hate the title of the podcast, but we're two hundred and three episodes in, so nothing we can do about it now. Plus, every everyone says podcast. I pre- I prefer pretend radio. Yeah, that's <laughs> well. Actually, it's better than pretend radio because people actually listen, which is shocking. I was just telling. Uh, that's true. I was just telling someone the people other day. People listen to people chat. It's neat. Yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, I, they, they stopped doing it in real life a while ago. That's true. See, I couldn't have done this, uh, you know, twenty years ago. It would have been impossible. That's yes, pirate radio You need radio an station. antenna. You need a right. staff. Yep. But now I just need me. Um, so y- you're you're from uh, my, uh, one of my favorite cities in the world, uh, Toronto, Ontario. That's correct. Yes. I am crazy for your city, and I am crazy for your country. Oh, that's that's lovely. You must be a lefty. Uh, well, yes, but it, it started long before I knew you know what direction I was pointed. Uh, I grew up across the lake from Ontario in Cleveland, so I would listen to a lot of Canadian radio and watch a lot of Canadian TV, and we would vacation up there. Uh, mostly so you in, got the kids in the hall and uh, oh, before SCTV that, and all SCTV, that. yeah, SCTV, uh, Beachcombers was another oh, one. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I, I'm I'm going way back uh, to the the late... Beachcombers was in Ireland. Uh, I found out recently. Oh really? Okay, I didn't. Yes. I thought it was a CBC show, but uh, I used to watch that. Yeah, and, yeah they so. figured that's all of Canada looked yeah. like the uh, West Coast. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, uh, big big canophile, uh going way back, and of course, you know. Going up there on vacation and finding out, oh, it's it's clean and they have cherry Pepsi and uh, wow. Yes, we do, and, and lots of elbow room. And lots of elbow room and football in July, which was even another fun discovery. Yes. So, uh, was it, or always your plan to be a comedian, or were you like funny among friends and they said hey, you should be on a stage somewhere? Or how did that all come about? No, it, it it's a proper disorder. It uh, it started well before I have any conscious memory. I just wanted to always be a comic. I, I can't remember a time where I didn't want to be in the funny business. Okay. I literally, I think I might have seen a comic on like the Merv Griffin show as a kid being homesick from school and going like, this guy does this for a living. And then that was it. So what were you I just wanted to be a comic. So what were your other influences, comedy-wise, growing up in Canada? Was it homegrown stuff like uh, Second City or, or uh, what was Air Farce was the other one my dad and I used to listen to on the radio? Yeah, they had the Royal Canadian Air Farce. Yeah, and, uh, we're big fans we of that. We had uh, a lot of great sketch stuff growing up. There was a place called the Rivoli where the kids in the hall started. Yes, I've heard and, of that. Uh, they, they had some amazing comedy there. And, of course, Second City's always been... Uh, a big thing and stand up I ended up moving to Britain where uh, I was that's where I sort of make my living doing stand up yeah I saw that um, because it's a, it's a bit sparse here in this country yes we're, we're a lovely group but uh, entertainment wise we live next to America it's very difficult to maintain a a, a show business when you're just like in a couple hours drive from real well, show business this is the thing I've always found odd about Canada is that I know Canada, you know, we like each other a lot, but it seems like, you know, Canada wants American things, but at the same time, they don't want American things. They want to be distinctly Canadian, and there's that, that dichotomy that never seems to resolve itself. Well, what it is, is we're both modern versions of Britain, in a way, and America uh, has no, um, has a different kind of past with royalty. Yeah. 
Where, so Canada, any, any country that's a commonwealth, still has that weight on the back of their neck of uh, you can't show off too much. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's all got something to do with the kings and queens. Hmm. Where in America, uh, you guys know how to show off. Yeah. Like, that's why you guys have rock and roll and jazz and stuff. Because you, you know how to kick your heels up and go nuts and shoot guns in the air. Can Canadians, Australians, we're nervous. We're a little more nervous. Because I still think we think somewhere a guy on a horse is going to come by and take all our shit. <laughs> yeah, it's strange because... We're, we're, I'll give you an example. Yeah. In Britain, there's no front porches. People don't sit in front of their homes that we do in this country and, and, and what America excels at is porch living. Oh, yeah. Because, and and they all hide in their backyards because I really do believe they think one day a guy's just going to come along and take all their shit. That's funny. Hide in the back garden, they do. They just hide in the back garden. Be very quiet. Don't show off. Don't have too much fun. That is interesting. Yeah, I, I guess not. Yeah, because British people do have a reputation for being reserved, and Canadians have a, a reputation for being polite. My daughter sent me this link from BuzzFeed about an hour ago saying uh, how you can tell if you're Canadian. Of course, being a big canophile, she sent that to me. And a lot of that has to do with you know the, the being polite thing and, and all that and kind of more easygoing, I guess, in Americans. I guess Australians are kind of our, the, the rowdiest of, of the four of us, I reckon, don't you? There, there, yeah, that's only, that only comes through distance. Ah, okay. The further away you are from from the homeland, uh, the crazier and zanier you become. I think. Yeah, see, it's it's always. Like they have a, a theater in Perth. I was just they just toured Australia. I just got back a month ago. Oh, okay. And they have a, a theater in Perth called His Majesty's Theater. Now you're <laughs> supposed to change. If it's a queen, you have to change all the His Majesty things oh, to Her yeah. Majesty things. That's right. But they don't bother in Perth. And the guy just said, "Well, she's not going to. She's not coming. <laughs> she's not, not going to say anything." Yeah, she, she probably will. Yeah, well, that's funny. Um, yeah, because it's always struck me odd about Canada is that, um, for example, they uh, especially Toronto. Toronto desperately wants the NFL, and oh yeah, ignores the Argonauts. You know, to a fault, and it's like you know, look, you're not getting the NFL. I mean, you gotta face it. The Bills aren't moving there, and especially now because the um, I don't know if you heard this. The Argonauts got the boot from uh, Rogers Center the, after this. That's season, right. They got kicked out, so they have to go to the lakefront and play in the soccer stadium. So I can't. Yeah, well, they'll be in my yard eventually. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no way the the Bills are moving there, and if the Bills do move there, I say the Argonauts go to Buffalo, become the Buffalo Argonauts. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. I, and and and, uh, and, uh, and give us the Sabres. No, actually, no. We got a new coach. The Maple Leafs might be coming back. There you go. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I I I can't. Well, look at we. You know, the Raptors. We've got the the Jays. Yeah. And and I remember the first few years of the Jays. No one knew what was going on. <laughs> but, but but we knew that you you sang the the, the songs that you when you watch it on American television. Yeah. So, you know, we, we slowly got into it. We were mimicking you. Yeah. It's, I think that's why there's so many Canadian comedians living and working in, in America, is because we can pose like you, but we're, we're, we're just, we're off kilter. Right, yeah. Makes it sort of natural funny to Americans. I don't know, maybe being a, kind of an off kilter American myself, maybe there's some kind of a, appeal to that. Maybe that's why well, uh, I'm much more of a I'll second you, city most guy. Most of the American comedians I know would, be, would fit in perfectly as a Canadian. 
I don't know why that is, but 90% of the comedians I've worked with in America uh, could very well be Canadians because they don't, they don't fit in. There you go. That makes sense. And I sense. think huh. Canada is that country. If you don't fit in, Canada is where you go. Originally, Canada was $20 cheaper than going to America if you were emigrating. Yeah. And if you lived in Canada for one year, you could get your free uh, trip to America. So the people that 90% of them just stayed here for a year and then moved on to America. But ah. that quirky 10%, that's, that's basically what this country is made up of. Hmm. It's just a quirky 10% because we're, we're what? We're a tenth of the population of America. Yeah. That, you know, so we're just, we're like just, you know, all those odd people in Alaska. This, that's what oh, this yeah, whole yeah. country's full of. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Just uh, sort of stubborn loyalists. <laughs> it's, it's strange because I'm, I'm a huge Anglophile too, but of all the comedy influences, um, you know, speaking more sketch-wise, not so much stand-up, but like, you know, your Monty Pythons, your Second Cities, your Saturday Night Lives, all that stuff. I'm very much an SCTV guy, number one. And then oh, maybe, same here. Yeah, see, I've always been a huge... In fact, I even had uh, Dave Thomas was on my show and uh, even participated in a little dumb skit that I did, uh, a little parody of This American Life. And, um, and I was telling him that my dad and I, you know, we would watch Johnny Carson like all dads and sons do, but really our thing was Second City. He'd come over on Saturday mornings, we'd, we'd watch that. And uh, we particularly loved the the, the uh, bits they did about British culture. And Dave Thomas like, is is your dad British? I'm like, well, no, he lived there for a while, but no, we're just we're just a bunch of wacky Americans who like Canadian and American culture <laughs> and uh, British culture. So. Well, I'll tell you the, the great thing about SCTV, you can't look at the old Saturday Night Lives. They, they don't really make you laugh. They were sort of current, ran yeah, right, right that week. Yeah, where. They, you know, SCTV invented Mellonville. Nothing, yeah. nothing ever changes in Mellonville. That's right. That's it's true. all self-contained. Yeah, and it, it, and it still makes me laugh. I, I've seen these sketches a hundred times, and they still oh, they still kill me. Still make me laugh. Yeah, my uh, my favorite of all time. I was mentioning this to somebody a couple of weeks ago on the show. Was uh, you might remember this uh, in 1982 when they had the first NFL strike uh, to kind of parody that, and SCTV was already being shown on NBC at that point. Uh, Guy Caballero gets the notion that there's a strike at SCTV, so he's going to import CBC programming. Oh, and that so, was fantastic! And but nobody, I bet nobody got it. And I was, it was Lachlan Patterson. I was talking to this about another from Vancouver, and I said the thing I enjoyed about it most probably was that like living across the lake and knowing the CBC. I'm like, you know, I'm getting this, and I bet nobody else is. So I felt like such an insider, laughing at all these jokes about headline challenge and and some of the Canadian oh, celebrities. That was, oh. Oh. So genius, well, absolute genius. When, when they took their, uh, when they when they took the screen aside and he's and he's the Canadian entertainer and they still didn't know who he yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> that was that, oh, that so is funny. genius. Yeah, that that just, that made me cry. The, the devilishly handsome Philip Marks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, and and the woodchuck. Yeah, the yeah, woodchuck. <laughs> and snowy climbs. And snowy climbs. That's oh, right. Man, so funny. Wonderful shit. But so, the character with the with the bottom teeth that Eugene Levy did. Eugene Levy in general. I was in a oh, room yeah. with Eugene Levy. I almost passed out. Yeah. You know what I was watching the other I, day I, just popped into my head was the when he did the uh, the Perry Como at his most relaxed oh, ever. <laughs> I liked Bogey. I liked a Bogey <laughs> on the disco round. <laughs> and then he almost just falls asleep. Yeah, he's, he's laying on and they got the blanket on. Oh my gosh! I'll I mean, believe that. it or not, I saw a documentary on Perry Como 
and he loved that sketch. Oh. You, you saw him in the documentary watching that sketch oh, that's and funny. crying with laughter. Oh, man, i got to see that. That is so funny. Um, yeah, and so, it's right on the money. He was the most mellow man he was, in the world. He was. It's the most relaxed I've ever seen, Barry. Um, so I'm curious then, if why did you go to Britain and not to America? What was with some kind of was was there a certain I event? Did, weird. Um, Twenty years ago, I went to Hollywood, and really, I was there for just a, like a month or so. And I stand up was dire there, and there was just it was all just everyone was just trying to kill each other over a sitcom. And, and the humor, I don't, there was something lacking. And I ended up that year doing the Edinburgh Fringe, which is this remarkable uh, uh, arts festival yeah. in Scotland. And it's been going for like almost 70 years now. And uh, I fell in love with the, with the stand-up scene there. It was really fresh and new. It would have been like the 70s in the States, I would imagine, late 70s. Okay. And I just fell in love with it. And uh, being Canadian was a lot easier for me to work in Britain. And uh, oh. I, I just, it was a series of mistakes and it just took off. And uh, now it's like, now it's huge. It's like the hot spot. There are more Americans and Canadians out there now than ever before. So I went to Hollywood last year and uh, comedy school there again. So it's, I think it's a 20 year cycle. Yeah, I guess. Because. Uh, now I'm starting to work in, in America because it's comedy's starting to get cool here, or in North America again. Yeah, it, it, is, it seems like in '95 you were probably there during, I guess, the comedy lull. You know, kind of the fallout of the comedy boom of the late '80s. So that was yeah, make, make it, a lot it, of precisely. Sense. It was yeah. like, you know, comedy clubs were in shopping malls, and it was on television every four or five minutes. Yeah, and it was just horrible. And it's basically, sadly enough, that's what's starting to happen in Britain or already is happening. But they have eight, eight different kinds of panel shows. They all feature comedians. And in between those, they have straight stand-up shows. So I think it's, it's, it's happening there. But in, in, I was just in uh, L.A. And I was doing like the, 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 uh, the UCB Theater and like uh, shows like Setlist, and these are like hot. To- the improv in, in in Melrose was remarkably good. Like it was hip and fun. Lewis Black's an old buddy of mine, and he he got me um, he got me to do. I got to do my own hour at the uh, at the improv, and it was full of like hip people. Not like it was twenty years ago. It was horrible twenty years ago. Everyone sounded like Seinfeld. Not that I don't like Seinfeld. I just don't like everyone sounding like him. Oh yeah, that, and well, you you get that. That's the thing that you know happens in music as well. You know, and I don't think people or in, in television and movies. You know, once something happens, everybody else thinks, "Oh, we've got to do that too." Right. And um, well, David Brenner complained about that, too. that they've, they've always sounded like that. Right, right, and then a lot of times, you know, it's if you see somebody that you do like. Um, I know Jimmy Pardo has this problem a lot, uh, a, a friend of the show here, that uh, you know when, when he's kind of unique in, in his voice and his feature by the, by Saturday night if he's doing you know uh, you know Thursday Friday Saturday which he doesn't really do anymore but you know by Saturday the early show the feature sounding a lot like him but you just pick it up just listening to his podcast you just start you know you pick up that rhythm that pattern especially if you're 
like-minded like him with all the you know different pop culture references and so i can kind of see how that happens naturally but then you'd be like you've got to consciously step away and go well, wait a minute what's what am i bringing to this what's my what is yeah, my it, actual voice it, it, you know who's the most contagious of the bunch and not, i won't do it on stage but like sitting around and having a meal with is herrera dom herrera oh yeah yeah he's so funny and, <laughs> it, it, it it's can take at the end of the night five comedians are all Italians from Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's absolutely I'm seeing them um I'll be with them on Saturday night. Yeah. And we'll be in Ireland. And even the Irish guys we're all going to be <laughs> sounding like Don Herrera by the end of the evening. That's funny. Wow. It's I don't know what it is. It's just very he's he's just he's a, it's an addictable persona. So I'm I'm curious. Uh, you said working in Britain is easier. Is it easier just because it's easier to get like a work visa or whatever you need? Because I know a lot of the uh, guys way that, easier to get uh, okay. a work visa. Okay, okay, yeah, way easier. I think you just have to say I want to come in. <laughs> it's, it's as easy as Americans coming into Canada to work. Hmm. It costs me like almost ten grand and like six months of lawyer work to get me a, a, a American. Uh, yeah, guess what? Uh, Lachlan was saying that, and then um, who's the, uh, the the kid from Britain that's uh, in Los Angeles now? Matt Kirshen was saying. Um, oh, Matt's great guy. I've yeah, known yeah. him for since when he looked even younger. Yeah, yeah, he was on Caleb Bacon's podcast, uh, Man School, talking about how difficult it is for him to stay in the United States only because it costs thousands and thousands of dollars every couple of years for him to reapply for his work visa and all that and now he has to go for his green card and everything but I guess you don't really have that problem going from Canada to the UK is that no I get a permit for 400 quid and I'm out there for five six months wow that's pretty cool and my grandparents are both uh, uh, were both uh, uh, English citizens. Ah. So if I wasn't so bloody lazy, <laughs> I could, I could get uh, their, all their paperwork and uh, and get a permanent visa. No kidding. Hmm. Yeah, but I, my manager can just he gets on the phone and boom, I get a I get a work permit sent to the house. Well, that's cool. Um, so yeah. when you're in, you're in Britain, uh, are you seen as a, a Canadian or are you seen as a North American? How do the Brits? View of Over the years, I now I get seen as as a Canadian, and I, I keep pushing North American, trying to make it one because they're they're always so apologetic if they think whereabouts in the states are you from, and I say I'm Canadian, they go like, oh, I'm sorry, so sorry. How the <laughs> hell are you supposed to know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I can't tell. Yeah, I mean, very rarely can. Now I can and tell. If you're a Torontonian that grew up around the time I did, when you, all you got was American television and CBC. And you grew up in front of the TV, as I did. Yeah. Uh, most of my generation sounds like they're from uh, New York State. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, as a kid, I sounded more like I came from Tonawanda than I did from Toronto. Yeah, you do. You, in fact, you almost you do sound a little uh, more sort of uh, East Coast, not hard East Coast, but more like Mid Atlantic. You know, Philadelphia, yeah. Baltimore, Washington. Yeah. I'm so. an amalgam. Yeah, exactly. It's a kind of a mix. I think I've spent too much time everywhere but home. Yeah, it's funny how that happens, because I listen to a lot of uh, British radio. I, I used to listen, I've listened to World Service since I was a kid, and I've listened to Radio 1 for the past couple of years once I figured out I could listen to it on the Internet. Um, so I listen to that a lot, and you just you know just pick up things here and there, and you fold it in. I and love listening to British news just so I can get some non-biased news. Yes. Because everything on the television news, and this includes Canada, is North America, it's, now, it's all opinion. 
unless it's PBS. Yeah. And uh, it's it just it's like reading a good newspaper. You know, I like to do that once every every uh, couple of weeks. Just read an entire good newspaper, just to know what the hell's really going on. Yeah, there are times when I enjoy. You know, our our paper here uh, in Cincinnati now is is rubbish. It, they just repr- literally just reprint things from the USA Today because it's owned by Gannett. So when I go to Las Vegas, I like to pick up the Los Angeles Times because they actually have the daily. Uh, LA version of the Times in Las Vegas. You can pick that up there. When I'm up, uh, when we were in Canada, I got, I got the Toronto Star, and uh, when I'm in Chicago, I like to read the Trib. But it's it's very rare to have a good paper to read anymore, you know. Yeah, exactly. And 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 and, and when you do, you just realize it's all coming in from the uh, uh, the wire anyway, from one source. But the Star is still one of the last good newspapers out there. Yeah. Well, I think the Times is still good, too, the L.A. Times, because they have a lot of you know, yes. original reporting, I was, too. Yeah, I was living out there for a few months, and I enjoyed that newspaper. I, I, weirdly enough, I, I like the weather, because, we, it, it, you know, like you never hear what the weather's like in Mexico when you live in Canada. Yeah. That's and funny. And when you're in Britain, you find, oh, it's, it's sunny in Belgium today. <laughs> like, that, that kind of stuff, just I love that kind of weirdness. So, uh, do you talk about different things in the in Britain and Canada and the U.S., or is it all kind of the same same stuff? With just talk about me, me, okay. They're like my stupid life. Huh. So, and luckily, people live stupid lives, so it it, uh, it works. There'll be some British stuff I'll bring up when I'm in Britain, but no. and I, everything I do, I can I can take it with me. I'll make fun of Britain in Ireland. I'll make fun of Ireland in America. I'll make fun of. So wherever I'm at, I'll make fun of where I was. Okay. That makes sense. And I, it does in a weird, convoluted way, but it, it does make sense. But I, I never stayed still long enough to to really get my, my teeth into any, including my own hometown. So, like, but, uh, the younger comics call me Two Months Mike, because I'm, I'm literally never anywhere for more than two months. Ah. So, but the idea is to, is to play more dates in North America now, or uh, are you just going to kind of see how it goes with this swing? I, I've done quite a bit of American shows. Uh, I, I'm going for the next year and a bit be working pretty well uh, out of Britain. And then uh, I, I, Lou Black and I got something we might be doing in, in a few months in America that's got something to do with the Internet. And every time uh, his manager tries to explain it to me, I fall asleep. <laughs> okay. Well, um, hopefully that'll all work out for you, and uh, maybe we'll even get you down here in Cincinnati sometime uh, on one of I your... I love to. That's yeah. a great town. I went through there as a kid on our way to Florida. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great Canadian migration. It is. It's a I-75, man. It's the from western Ontario right down down through Detroit into Ohio and on into Florida. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, great, man. It was great talking. I appreciate you taking the time. It was a fascinating talk. And um, My pleasure. And uh, go Argos. And uh, <laughs> we'll, talk, you. we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. All right. Bye. Take care, man. Bye. <laughs> Thanks again to Mike Wilmot for being on the show. You can catch Mike, well, I'm not sure where you can catch Mike. He doesn't actually have an official website. Uh, He may have one under construction. If you go to his British management company, Off the Curb, and that's K-E-R-B, at www.offthecurb.co.uk, and then go forward slash Mike-Wilmot, that brings up his actual page. I'm not sure if it has his uh, North American tour dates 
or just his British tour dates. But if you check back there, you can find out when he is touring. Or check your local comedy club schedule. He's been touring North America a lot more, and you can find him there. Uh, don't feel like doing the credits this week, so we're going to skip right on to the... Uh, oh, just the, the one plug, of course. Again, if you are uh, know of a child between the ages of 9 and 13, why don't you check out the Nearly Lizzie channel on YouTube for all kinds of Lizzie silliness. And let me see, we'll get now to the hottest record in the world... George Ezra, you may have heard his song Budapest, is getting a lot of airplay all over uh, the radio in the United States. Uh, he has a lot of other singles as well. The uh, other single from that album, his current album, is called Blame It On Me. And the uh, last single was called Cassie O. And Cassie O is our hottest record in the world. And this is George Ezra, Cassie O, the hottest record in the world on PS Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Gotta get herself away Well I better right quick Yeah I better ch- ch- change my ways Oh maybe I'm wasting Maybe I'm chasing time Oh come on let's face it I'm only ever lost in mine Well I got my tracing paper So that I could trace my clock And the bastard's face kept changing And the hands they wouldn't stop Well I was ripping out the battery I received myself a shock And to add insult to injury I could still hear ticking talk Casio 